this week on Hope for the Broken. When we face stressful situations, how many times do we try to handle it on our own first and then pray about it? I mean, we often try to exhaust all of our resources, and once we've failed at it, we say, okay, now let me go to God. And I think Paul's admonition here is to say, hey, first, take it to the Lord. Let that be your first response. When you encounter stressors, when you walk through seasons of anxiety in your life, take it to the Lord. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Greater Than. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part two titled, Greater Than My Worry and Anxiety. Last Sunday, we began a new teaching series that we're, we've entitled Greater Than. And what we're doing over the course of the series is taking a look at a few circumstances that we would all say are common to our experience as human beings and examining the fact that Jesus is greater than each of those things. And the fact that Jesus is greater than the grave, what we studied last week, is proof in and of itself that he is greater even than our circumstances. And so we took a look at the fact that Jesus is greater than the grave. Today, the title of this morning's message is Jesus is Greater Than My Worry and Anxiety. Jesus is greater than my worry and anxiety. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been worried about something? Have you ever been anxious about something. Uh, It has been my experience that I have had seasons in my life where I've worried and carried anxiety that have even manifested itself physically in my life, physiologically in my life, and it's very, very real. And, uh, and, you know, one thing that I've learned is this, is that worry and anxiety are thieves. Those two things seek to steal our joy, to steal our thoughts, and to steal our peace. And I want you to uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 as we seek to see what God has to say about anxiety. I learned this week in an article that I read that the most common mental health problem in the United States is anxiety, affecting about 40 million people. If you take just the adult population, that means 18% of adults wrestle with anxiety and worry. According to an article on WebMD, anxiety is the result of our brain reacting to stress. Anxiety is a reaction. Uh, It is not a creation in and of itself. It's it's our brain's reaction to stressful environments. I read a report uh, this week also that said that uh, the state of Texas ranks ninth in the most stressed states in our union. Some of you are going... Oh, man, no wonder I'm stressed out. By, by the way, you want to know what the number one stressed state is in the United States? Louisiana, right? All those raging Cajuns, man, they're stressed out, right? And I offended some of you, and I'm sorry, but not really. But, uh, but that, we're way too close to Louisiana, right? Uh, and that was according to data that was published this year, 2022. Isn't that, isn't that something? 
And because stress is a part of the human experience, it must mean, and stress is, or anxiety is a response to stress, it must mean that we all experience stress. We all experience anxiety. We all deal with worry. The article on WebMD further said, everyone feels anxious now and then. For example, you may worry when faced with a problem at work, before taking a test, or before making an important decision. In other words, worry and anxiety is a fact of life. And did you know that the Bible actually speaks a lot about worry and anxiety? In just the New Testament alone, the word anxiety is mentioned 26 times. It's alluded to another 22 times. So in a lot of places, the New Testament particularly deals with this subject of worry and anxiety. And unfortunately, there are preachers. I have tuned in and listened to some preachers that have preached on this subject. And a lot of preachers out there, unfortunately, come to the conclusion that all anxiety, all worry, is an effect of a lack of faith. They would say this, that if you would just pray hard enough, if you would give enough, if you would read your Bible enough, then all your worry and anxiety would subside. Well, just my own personal testimony That's not always the case. Now, I would say this. I would say maybe some aspect of our worry and anxiety that we carry is a lack of faith that like God's got it under control, right? I don't know about you, but when when times get stressful, I want to take the bull by the horns. I want to kind of uh, make my own way, take control of the situation. I want to pull myself up by my bootstraps. But my experience has told me this, is sometimes in life, some of the experiences that we endure, some of the stresses that we face are far beyond our own abilities to overcome them at times. They seem insurmountable. And so I don't think that it is a lack of faith to the total degree that all anxiety can be resolved by faith. I think that that the Bible speaks about how we can seek comfort in the Lord. And that's what we're going to examine here today. I think it is also very important when you you, uh, preach on any kind of subject like this that you almost kind of give a disclaimer. And I want you to hear me out here, okay? I think that we all endure seasons of anxiety. But I think that there are also those of us that walk through more than a season of anxiety. There is a difference between seasonal anxiety and what I would call anxiety disorders. And so what I would tell you as a a pastor is this, is that if you would say, hey, uh, my life seems to be wrapped up in anxiety, I just can't seem to break through, then I would encourage you to do something. Talk to your doctor about it. Not all solutions are spiritual solutions, right? There are some medical solutions. Like if I'm feeling sick, right, I don't just pray that I get over my illness, right? I go to a doctor and I try to get medication to help me overcome that. And there are times that I want to encourage that. I, I think that that's important because I think the church has historically said, oh, if, if, you've got, if you battle anxiety, you just need to pray more, right? And that's not exactly the truth. I want you to also press into the spiritual because I believe God desires to teach you something in those moments. But not everything is a spiritual solution. You understand, right? And so it's important for me to disclaim that right at the front, all right? But I want to talk to you today about how we can battle worry and anxiety. 
Because the scripture teaches us how to do that. So this morning I want to look at and understand what is a biblical definition of worry and anxiety. And then I want to present to you three ways that you can overcome worry and anxiety in your life. Let's read Philippians chapter 4 beginning with verse 6. Paul writes and he says this, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, let's first look to understand anxiety and worry and what Paul is talking about. Here, consider the word for anxious for just a moment. The word that is translated as anxious carries the meaning of taking extreme care, having extreme worry or trouble or pulled in different directions. It's actually a compound word in the original language. You guys know what a compound word is? It's two words put together. And if you take the literal uh, definitions of both of those words, it means a tearing of the mind. I feel like that's a pretty good definition of anxiety, right? A tearing of the mind. And so it's a mental state. That's a pretty accurate description. But what's more about it is that it is written in the present tense and it is active. It means this. Paul is talking about a state of anxiety. So when he says, do not be anxious, he's saying, do not stay in a state of anxiety. He's talking about ongoing fear and a troubled spirit. Now, it's important to know what Paul is not saying when he says, don't be anxious. Paul is not saying, don't worry, be happy, right? He's not saying happy-go-lucky. He's not saying live life carelessly. That's not what Paul is getting at here. What he is getting at is that when the worries of life come, when the stresses that we endure in life comes, you don't have to dwell there. That there is hope for us. That there is a path in and through those seasons of our lives. And when we face these times, it should allow us the opportunity to see God at work in and through us. We all have moments and seasons of worry and anxiety, but there is hope for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Another thing that you need to notice about this phrase, do not be anxious about anything, is that it is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so therefore these words are breathed out by God, and so we can conclude that this is a command of God. He commands us, do not be anxious about anything. Why would God make this a command? Why would this be imperative for us to follow? Well, I think that God works always and sets things in place and boundaries in our life for our own good. For example, one of the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath and remember it holy. If anyone were to work seven days a week, I mean, they would become ineffective, right? And our bodies need rest. And so God commands that we rest. Again, it's for our health. It's for our good. I read an article published by the National Institutes of Health that says this, prolonged and unchecked stress and anxiety can, quote, affect your health. You could experience problems with sleeping or with your immune, digestive, cardiovascular, and reproductive systems. In other words, God is saying, issuing a command, don't be anxious about anything because it negatively affects your body. 
It has profound effects that your body is not designed to carry in a prolonged fashion. Jesus said the exact same thing. Jesus issued the exact same command. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Paul and Jesus used the exact same word that is translated as anxious. A command. Do not be anxious. There's a reason. It's for our benefit, for our good. Instead, Paul offers us tools in overcoming our worry and anxiety, and he expounds on that in chapter 4, which I think is further proof to the fact of Paul's not saying that be worried or be happy all the time. I think he's saying that you will encounter these times, and let me give you tools. Praise God that he says, let me give you tools on how you can navigate these moments, these seasons in your life. And so let me give you what I believe to be three ways to overcome anxiety and worry in your life and mine. The first way to overcome anxiety is to take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Take your worry, take your concern, take your anxiety to the Lord. Now, I know that that sounds very pastoral of me, but here's the point that I want to make. When we face stressful situations, how many times do we try to handle it on our own first and then pray about it? I mean, we often try to exhaust all of our resources, and once we've failed at it, we say, okay, now let me go to God. And I think Paul's admonition here is to say, hey, first, take it to the Lord. Let that be your first response. When you encounter stressors, when you walk through seasons of anxiety in your life, take it to the Lord. Verse 6 of Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything but, or instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. What we're going to see in just a moment is the reader enters Philippians chapter 4 in a state of anxiety and worry, but it exits in a state of peace. And what exists between Anxiety and peace is prayer. That's extremely important. You need to take your worries and your concerns to God. Let me mention one of the most powerful verses that illustrate this to be a great resource for you and for me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6-7 through seven says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now I want to leave those verses on the screen as we pick those apart for just a second. First, notice who it is that invites you to come to him. The description that we have of this person giving us this invitation is that we are to come and to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. In other words... Just consider the hand of God. Just consider what lies within the hand of God. And if that much resides within the hand of God, the very creator of the universe, then who is it in totality that is asking you to come to him? This is the mighty one, the ultimate one, the one that is greater than anything that you and I could ever face. And so we are to come to this incredible God. Secondly, the word translated as casting, I love this, literally translated means to hurl, to sling, to launch. (laughs) I love the picture there. Hurl all your anxiety upon God. 
just sling it upon God. Just throw it in his direction, all of it. And then we get the end of this verse, this section, this passage. He says, because he cares for you. That phrase can be translated because it's important to him. We're to cast all of our care, all of our anxieties upon him. Why? Because it matters to him. What you are walking through matters to God. What I am walking through matters to God. And he is the, considered the mighty hand of God who is greater than anything that you and I would ever face. Now here's what I want to do. In each of these suggestions, in each of these ways of overcoming anxiety and worry in your life, I want to give you a measurement of how you're doing in this area. And then I want to give you a practical step. Okay? These are practical steps that I have found to be helpful for me when walking through seasons of anxiety. Okay? So the first measurement question, take it to the Lord. How do I know how I'm doing in that? Here's the question. When you encounter stress or are anxious, do you ask, what am I going to do about this? Or do you ask, God, what are you going to do with this? Do you see the difference between the two? The asking, what am I going to do about this, assumes that you are not taking anything to the Lord. Instead, you're relying upon your own resources and abilities to overcome it. When in reality, Paul is saying, and, and, and the writer, and, and Peter is saying, cast your, cast your cares upon the Lord. Take it to the Lord. And instead we ask, God, what are you going to do in and through this situation? You know, Jesus said the same exact thing. Again, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And I love this question. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And here's the key. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In short, Jesus is saying, don't be anxious. Instead, take it to him. Take it to the Lord. So let me give you a practical exercise. Something that you could do, something that I have done whenever I consider uh, walking through and navigating anxiety. Get outside. Get outside. When I walk through the park, if you don't know, I live right across the street from Delwood Park. And uh, so sometimes when I'm feeling anxious or worried, I'll just walk across the street and, and I'll just walk on the paths. And as I'm walking on the paths, I'm considering these massive trees. And I'm watching the squirrels run. 
I'm looking at the flowers of the field and I'm reminded of this passage that Jesus spoke to me. That God is greater than whatever it is that I'm facing. He's the one that put that there. He's the one that set the whole thing in motion. And as I'm seeking him, won't he take good care of me in my situation? And so getting outside of myself, out of the indoors and out into the outdoors allows me to discover that God is in control. I also think there's value to exercise in those situations, right? When you're, when you're feeling stressed out, exercise. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a helpful way in managing your stress. So cast all your anxiety on him. Take it to the Lord. The second way you overcome anxiety and worry in your life is guard your heart and mind. Guard your heart and your mind. These are integral as you navigate anxiety in your life, your heart and your mind. Look at verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. The peace that passes all understanding. First notice whose peace that is. This is the peace of God. Meaning that peace belongs to God and is only found in God. But then when it says a peace that surpasses all understanding, what that means is you have a peace when you really shouldn't. When you look at everything that is going on in your life, all the events, all the circumstances that are surrounding your life, all the pressures, all the stress that you are enduring, that you have a sense of peace and you really shouldn't. In other words, it's an inexplainable kind of peace. That's the peace that God offers. You can't even read that verse and not be at peace. Right? Read it again. And the peace of God allows you to exhale a little bit. It passes all understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So how do I know if I'm allowing that to guard my heart and my mind? Here's the measurement question. When I encounter a stressful situation, do I assume the worst or do I assume God's best? When you encounter a stressful situation, when I encounter a stressful situation, do I assume the worst case scenario or do I assume God's best? In that situation, I read in an article this week what psychologists called ANTS, A N T S, automatic negative thoughts. Did you know the average person has about 70,000 thoughts every day? That's a lot of thoughts. And the research concluded that the majority of these thoughts are negative and seem to pop up out of the blue. These are what is known as automatic negative thoughts. Have you ever had an automatic negative thought? Let me illustrate it to you this way. Let's say you walk into Walmart. All right, you're already thinking negatively because of where I put you. But let's say, let's say you walk into Walmart, right, and you look across the way, and there's Pastor Chris, and you say, I'm going to say hey to Pastor Chris, and so you wave at me. But I don't wave back. What is an automatic negative thought going to do? It's going to say, well, he's a jerk face. 
right? I mean, why would he not care to wave at me, right? And, and so we, we, in that situation, what have we assumed? We've assumed the worst. We've jumped to a conclusion on insufficient information. But this is an example of an automatic negative thought. But I want you to know something about these automatic negative thoughts. They happen to everyone all the time. And while it's normal to some degree, automatic negative thoughts, ants, have devastating results. I read in that article, it said negative thoughts can cause chronic stress, which in many ways changes your brain. Every negative thought you have alters your brain chemistry, creating a cascade of negative effects. Did you know your thoughts reprogram your brain? That's a lot of power. The article lists some of the effects, and they include the depletion of dopamine and serotonin, the slowing of brain function, the enlarging of the brain's fear center, and accelerating the brain's aging process. Automatic negative thoughts become habit, and then we get to a point where all we see is the worst-case scenario. And if you are suffering from a lot of automatic negative thoughts, a lot of assuming, uh, let, me just, let me just tell you this. You've got to reprogram your thought life. You've got to reprogram your thought life. In fact, that's the practical application. When you have a thought, what does Scripture tell you to do with thoughts? Take every thought captive. Right? Take every thought captive. So when I have an automatic negative thought, I'm going to take that captive and I'm going to ask this question. Is that thought true? Or is it possibly untrue? All right. Let's go back to Walmart. There we go. We're already thinking negative again. Okay. You see me. You wave. I do not wave back. You have the automatic negative thought that he's a jerk face. And so you ask yourself the question, is that true? How do I know if that's true or not? Well, I say, is it possible that he didn't see me? Sure, right? Is it possible he thought I was waving at somebody else? Sure, that's possible, right? Uh, Do I know Pastor Chris to be a jerk? Well, I I hope not. And if I am, I'm sorry, okay? (laughs) But we have this tendency to believe these thoughts without putting them through proper testing. Take every thought captive, make it submissive to Christ. Who is Christ? He's the way, the truth, and the life. You submit it to to Christ, to the truth, and you battle your ant problem. This is how Paul said it. Verse 8 of Philippians 4, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What is Paul doing there? He's given us a laundry list of other things to think about other than just negative thoughts. Are negative thoughts worthy of praise? Are they commendable? Are they pure? Is it honorable? And is it true? Instead of letting those negative thoughts rule your life, let what is true rule your life. Negative thoughts, by the way, about people or about situations 
only occupy brain space that you can be more productive in, in considering. I mean, they steal your joy, right? They steal your peace. Don't allow those things to do that. Think about the things that are true. Amen? And look at what happens. Verse 9 of Philippians 4. And what you have learned, what have we learned? The things that we need to think of. And have received and heard and seen in Paul. Practice these things. And what will happen when you practice these things? The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. You can guard your heart and your mind by exchanging your negative thoughts for the presence of God. I also read another study that highlighted that 85% of what we worry about never comes true. And of the 15% that comes true, the study said that 79% of the people realized that they could overcome that. They could manage it. And so the conclusion that that the researcher came to was this. 97% of what you and I worry about is just a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misconceptions. So how do you battle that? Well, you guard your heart, guard your mind, fill it with the things of God and the God of peace will be with you. Take it to the Lord, guard your heart and mind. Thirdly, maintain a spirit of joy. Overcome your worry and your anxiety by maintaining a spirit of joy. You know, the theme, if if if, if the theme of Hebrew or Hebrews of Philippians could be boiled down to one word, it would be this word joy. How to have joy in all circumstances, in all situations. It's all about joy. And joy and happiness are different. Happiness is rooted in your happenings, the things that happen around you. Joy is independent of happenings. And so you can go through a difficult time and still be joyful, right? And you could be happy and joyful. They're, they're different kinds of, of things. Look at what Paul says. Skip back up to verses 4 and 5 of Philippians chapter 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, now isn't that something that we're lacking in our culture today? Reasonableness. Be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Paul says, rejoice. And it's almost like he envisioned saying it before the people in Philippi and them not really believing it. So he said, rejoice. You know what? Let me say that again. Rejoice. It's important. One commentator I read says this, joy is such a vitally important factor in the believer's spiritual stability that Paul repeats his command for emphasis. Again, I will say rejoice. See, when we allow anxiety to rule in our hearts, we live unstable. Let's go back to that definition of anxiety, the tearing of the mind. What does James say about a man that is double-minded? He's unstable in all of his ways. So we're not to maintain that that level of anxiety. We need the stability of joy in our life. And that's something that isn't dependent upon our happening. See, joy comes from the deep down confidence that God is in control. And more than that, he's working all things 
to your good and for his glory. That's where joy comes from. A sense of revolu- uh, resolution to know that, hey, God is working in and through this circumstance. Even the things that look bad, God is at work. So, measurement question. How do you know how you're doing in this area of maintaining a spirit of joy? Do you have any joy in you? Or do you only look at what is negative? Do you have any joy or do you only see that which is bad? Again, I tell you all the time, I'm preaching to myself. Y'all just happen to be in the room. And this is a measurement question. So what's the practical exercise here? What's the practicality to to having joy? I think it comes in in the middle of verse 6 of Philippians 4. Let's look at that one more time. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What are you thankful to God for? And whatever it is, write it down. That's the practical way. Write down the way in which God has been faithful to you. Just like what we sang. He was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. And he'll be faithful in the future. God never changes. And so we should rest in that. Write down what you are thankful for. And it will drown out that which is bad. I can't help but be reminded of the great church hymn, Count Your Blessings. Anybody remember singing that in church? Count Your Blessings. I want to read you the first, second, and fourth stanza. First verse. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, sounds like worry to me. What should you do? Well, count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Verse 2. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy that you are called to bear? Sounds like anxiety to me. Well, count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. What's the conclusion? Fourth verse. So, amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. That sounds a lot like the peace of God that passes all understanding to me. Beloved, you and I are not immune to worry and anxiety. And I don't think for one moment that one sermon on this is going to completely revolutionize your life. But I do hope that it offers you hope today. There is hope in Jesus, even in the midst of what causes you worry, even in the midst of what causes you angst, even in the middle of your anxiety, God desires to reside with you there. And that's good news. That's hopeful news. Let him handle it. He's bigger than it. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. 
If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.